0: Today's episode of the Playgrounder Podcast. We start with the news in five, as always. Then we get to a little bit of hot takes. Actually, a uh, pretty spicy debate kind of comes up between me and Matt. And well, have to see, let us know on Twitter who you agree with, who you side with, at Playgrounder NBA. Uh, or you can hit me up at Zach Wilson50. Hit him up at Matt Esposito underscore. And then we bring on JR Radcliffe. He, uh, Covers the Milwaukee Bucks. A really fun conversation. Talked a bit about the Bucks and the playoffs, and you know Giannis's free agency situation. So make sure you listen if you're you're interested in that. And I know there's multiple teams other than the Bucks interested in that. My dog just ran down. Uh, yeah, now that he's here, let's get it. <laughs> So Matt got absolutely destroyed by Donair Twitter. I didn't even know that existed. How does it? Uh, how did it feel to just get mauled by all the Eastern Canadians? I'm gonna be honest with you. I actually muted
1: the conversation after <laughs> it hit a. After it hit a hundred uh, retweets, I was like, well, like, what am I doing here? So it's I just still going. Mute. What are
0: we at right now? Uh, it's uh, over like 150 retweets and over 100 likes. So it's not like viral, viral, but. For a tweet that I only expected to get, like, three retweets and just be like, yeah, see, there it is a thing. Like, I just got another notification now. Yeah. 161 re- – <clears throat> wow. 161 retweets, 100 likes, and 14 comments. You
1: know what's crazy is, like, if – you know, so we, we – you know, obviously we're trying to, like, make it as a new website. And like, we're playing the game. You know what I mean? And – If I were to tweet out, like, let's say I make a video of Anthony Davis playing defense, right, and it does well, I'm getting, you know, a good amount of views on it, I'll plug, like, an article to go with it to try and, like, drive traffic to the site. We have, like, no Donair-related basketball. Like, it just, it was kind of like we have all this, uh, all all these impressions, and they're just strictly
0: for Canadian food. Yeah, I basically just kind of plugged last episode's pod and was like, "Hey, if you guys want to listen to a Canadian try to explain to a couple of Americans what a donair is, then listen here." So, I don't know. Yeah, the, my favorite thing is how they're going, like the comments are going about it in the most Canadian way ever. Like it's like it's like, "Are you kidding me?" Like if you ever come out here, we'll go for one. <laughs> yeah, it was very, it was very friendly.
1: Um, where like in in America, like if you were to. If if I were to tweet out something like hey like Zach doesn't know about New Haven Pizza you'd have people to be like hey like what is this guy like you know you know build that wall build that wall Get the up, hell you out know, of here northern version <laughs> like it, it would have been it would have been much more heated.
0: Uh, speaking of Canadians, Shea Gilgis mm. Alexander and Lou Dort, how about that for for a Matt Esposito uh, segue? That was actually pretty good, man, and I feel I've, I'm really proud of you. Um, so speak about Canadian
1: basketball. You, I'm going to give you. 30 seconds to speak about Canadian basketball
0: at large. Uh, it's really, really picked up over the last little bit. I think there was two years in a row where Canadians got picked number one overall between Bennett and Wiggins. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think ever since, this is like the age that grew up watching like Vince. And so, yeah, it's it's really grown. You see a lot of Canadians in the league. I think the Canadian Olympic team that was supposed to be fielded until COVID uh, was 100% NBA players, which had never happened before.
1: Yeah, it was, it's really good. You guys have guys like um... – Jamal Murray, um, Wiggins, obviously Kelly O'Linick, the Olinick Clinic, Tristan um, Thompson, Gilders Alexander, correct? Yeah. And yeah, then Tristan Doer. I feel like Corey we're missing Joseph. one big one. Corey Joe, Kojo, we're missing one big player. Uh, are we? Right.
0: <laughs> Should I know you're this?
1: Supposed- you're supposed to know, man. Steve you're Nash. Canadian. You're Canadian. Uh, is RJ no RJ Barrett? RJ Barrett's, not Barrett's Canadian, Canadian, yeah. Is he? Yeah. Or is J- wait? Because I know his Godfather Steve Nash.
0: No, yeah, RJ Barrett is Canadian. He played on the he played on the Canadian national team a few years ago. The U eighteen team that beat the USA team in, a, in like the World Cup or something. It was just crazy. Okay,
1: he's gonna be really good. Still, I have so much uh, RJ Barrett stock.
0: But uh, but yeah, that OKC Houston game might have been the best game of the playoffs, and I made a video about it. How there was four guys on OKC who scored twenty plus points. It was that like three headed guard trio Mm -hmm. and then Gallinari and like I talked about how like it probably isn't true but you can make an argument that none of them were the most impactful player and it might have been Lou Dort because that might have been the best one-on-one defense I've ever seen someone put up against Harden
1: yeah and you know what people were saying this coming into the series and like we didn't really see it at first um I was definitely thinking it I was thinking that um between Dort, between um Schroder and you know I thought and Chris Paul thought they're going to make life hard, and we didn't see it. I'm just, I'm honestly glad this is just a series, though. Now,
0: yeah, it well, yeah, because I mentioned that how this was probably the most anticipated series coming in as far as a, from a competitive standpoint, and we right. didn't get that at all through the first two games. And I think everyone was just thinking, well, it's not competitive now. Just wait till Russ gets back; it's going to be even worse. Uh, but yeah, at least it's two one, and it's funny how like it seemed. As soon as Lou Dort got help defenders to come over, they were just fouling him, and it wasn't helpful at all. I actually think he played better defense when no one came over and helped, and you could tell that they were just trying to get him switched off hard in any way possible just to anyone else.
1: Yeah, good for them. It's a series now. Um, we got good basketball, man. We also have some good takes coming up.
0: Yeah, we're going to come at you with some playoff hot takes soon, but first, uh, we should hit the, hit the news in five.
1: Let me get my timer out. Here we go.
0: This one isn't as jam-packed as the last one because we're doing it so so close together but there's still some stuff okay so i'm gonna start it you know what let's take our time with it then all right are you ready i'm ready let's go uh demonis sabonis it uh i guess it's kind of basically confirmed that he's been out for the season but it looks like he's joining the team in the bubble at I'm pretty sure the Pacers will probably only have one more game, so I guess it's just good for him showing team support. But, yeah, I don't know. If I was the coach, I'd be like, honestly, just stay at home. We're we're getting swept. No, I probably so, wouldn't say that as a coach. <laughs> <laughs>
1: one, two, three, Cancun. Um, Going forward, if the Pacers are going to keep one of Sabonis or Turner, who do you like more?
0: I like Sabonis a lot more, and I think especially these playoffs, it's shown that. And I think he offensively you can build around him a lot better because of what he does like kind of out of the mid-range and out of the short roll but I I like Sabonis yeah
1: I'm starting to kind of like I used to think Sabonis I was I was team Sabonis for a while but I forget where I read it I read this article about like team chemistry and basically what it did was say like hey if you want to build a great uh, team for chemistry on the court like you need a kind of like a low usage center who's like a rim protector and might not require the ball all too much and I'm the more I watch the NBA, man, the more I'm starting to think that. I don't know. Pacers are interesting, and they're definitely going to have some decisions to make, but I wouldn't be surprised if like, they did make some kind of move.
0: Indiana should just sign Christian Wood and pair him up with Sabonis. That would be a great duo. What do they do with Turner? I don't know. Just bye-bye. Celtics? Sure. There you go. Celtics and Knicks fans. Back at it. Turner Turner for Hay- uh, Gordon Haywood? How about Marcus Smart? Shut up. Don't. That's blasphemy. Yo, shut, Celtics shut your... fans would rather trade Jason Tatum than Marcus Smart, I swear. No,
1: no, no, no. <laughs> Speaking of, we have more Jason Tatum uh, coming up during the show. But Marcus Smart, dude, like, he just, he's the, uh, he, you know, he is
0: emblematic of what you want on your team. No, nah, su- I i would want him on, on the Raptors easily. He's one of those guys who, like, the famous, like, cheesy, kind of corny quote of, you love when he's on your team, you hate him yeah. when he's against you. So Yeah,
1: and... I have nothing but respect for him. You know what? I, you know what was funny? Like it, during the beginning of his career, I think if you remember when he was at Oklahoma State, someone in the crowd, some like older white guy uh, allegedly yelled the N word at him.
0: Oh, I and, think and, like, I do Mar- remember
1: that. And Marcus Smart just like ran out in the crowd. And I was like, you know what? I get it. Like, like good for you. Like I'm not advocating like violence, but if you're playing a sport for people's amusement and someone calls you a racial slur. Like, go, go stand up for yourself. And I don't know. I love it in Boston. Don't talk about bad about Marcus Smart, or else I'm going to have to do the same thing you did for the Donair tweet. I'm going to have to
0: do it. <laughs> but I never um, said anything bad. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens. All right, what uh, do we got next? Uh, Zach Collins is getting season-ending ankle surgery. It didn't seem like he was going to come back anyway. I guess maybe there was hope if they somehow made it past the Lakers. But uh, it's been confirmed that, yeah, he's done. And he played, like, what, like a total of, like, 10 games or something this year. It kind of sucked because he... Honestly, even in the 10 games he played, even though it was surrounded by a bunch of injury, he looked really good.
1: Yeah, it sucks for him. He's a really talented dude. Um, you know what? I'm not going to ruin it now. I'm going to talk more about Portland later. Oh, but okay. it sucks for him because he's he's just been injured his whole career and he has a ton of potential and um, can space the floor, can defend really well. So we'll see what happens going forward.
0: Yeah, and as much as he isn't an AD stopper by any means. They could have really used him this series to at least match up with AD, Someone who has the size and mobility because they, they don't have that. Gabriel's solid, but he's just really, really uh, thin.
1: Absolutely agree.
0: Uh, Luka Doncic left the last game with a sprained ankle and then he returned, but he was, he was hobbling basically the whole time. And then he went out again. So uh, it looks like he's a game time decision for today's game. So by the time you're listening to this, you probably know if he played in game four or not, but I, as much as I have money on the Clippers, I really hope he plays because I just the best basketball happens when the best players are on the court.
1: Is gambling legal in Canada?
0: Uh, yeah,
1: it is. I think the more I learn about Canada, the more I just want to move up there. Um, should we do? Is it too early to do? You know why? Well, I guess my question is this: Should we be more worried about Luka Doncic and his like injuries long term?
0: I don't. I don't think so. This this was a pretty freak injury. The way he like just landed on the side of his ankle it doesn't seem like he's been very injury prone.
1: So I know he he missed some games this year. Um, I want to say his first year he missed some. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna look into it for everyone who's curious. I'm gonna look into it and just see because I, I for some reason I have this like feeling that he's kind of just like an injury been like a little injury prone and we haven't discussed it enough. But I'm gonna do maybe I'll do a deep dive on it and like make a video or something.
0: The more I watch Dallas, the more I realize that. Fred Van Vliet would be the perfect third guy for Porzingis and Doncic and I really don't want that to happen but I think I think they could legitimately be like a conference finals team even just by by adding Fred like I think Luka and Kristaps are that Mm. good yeah I mean Fred is a great great defender can play on the ball off the ball not a bad take uh speaking of Fred his coach he presented his coach with the coach of the year award live on TNT nurse got called on to TNT for an interview he didn't know what was coming and then his old high school coach was actually the one who made a video uh, basically saying that he won. And you could see Nurse got surprised. And then Kyle Lowry and Fred brought him the award. So uh, I feel like that was that was pretty easy. He was definitely going to get it. And the votes were like – he got like 90-something first-place votes. And Bud was second with like five first-place votes. So uh, good for Coach Nurse.
1: Yeah, uh, Nick Nurse is the best coach in basketball. And I also think it's actually a pretty sizable gap between him and Coach Bud.
0: Yeah, I – uh, I mean, I I can't you can't disrespect what Bud does with this Milwaukee team, and I think if you listen if you listen to our Coach of the Year award picks, I don't think he should have been this close because to me, Coach of the Year is the coaching job, and when mm. you have the MVP and the Defensive Player of the Year and two All Stars and your team was already like a sixty win team last year, like what did you really do to coach them to another sixty win season and I mean, obviously, he still did great, and he still implemented the systems, did everything. But like when you look at guys like what Billy Donovan did, or Taylor Jenkins, or you know, whoever Rick Carlisle, I don't know, but yeah. So I don't know. I'll put it to you this way:
1: so if you were to give the Milwaukee Bucks roster to a coach like Nick Nurse or Popovich or Brad Stevens or Eric Spostra, that team is even better. It's game if over. If you were to take if you were to take the Raptors roster and give it to Coach Bud. It's not going to be as good as if that team was under Nick Nurse or Stevens or Popovich or whoever.
0: Right. No, that's a really good point. And then the last thing we have is that uh, Derek Murray kind of touched on this in our interview in last episode. If you haven't listened, go listen to that episode because it was great all around. Uh, The draft may get delayed along with free agency. So it just seems like everything's kind of getting pushed back in the offseason because the start of the the start of the season, I, I guess it looks like might get pushed back into the new year. Yeah, if you've been doing a lot of draft analysis, I would just—I would literally just like take a week off.
1: Just people are going to overanalyze. Take a week off, man. Do something different with your life. Listen to a different podcast. Listen to our podcast. Maybe go learn how to play tennis. Learn how to knit. Maybe.
0: Yeah, I don't know. If I do, if you do draft coverage, just relax and listen to our podcast. And and knit knit knit, knit Zach a scarf. He lives in Canada. Knit while you listen to our podcast. Yeah, that's what I do. Uh, that's, uh, that's great. Well, that's all, that's all the news we have. Um, let's get to some, uh, some playoff hot takes. Everyone loves hot takes. Everyone loves overreactions. Uh, so yeah, we came up with some of our own takes and some of our own kind of spicy little things to get people mad and fan bases angry. So Matt, why don't you go, go ahead with your first, did you come up with?
1: All right, here's my first, I'm going to, I'm going to lead off with this, um, at this very moment in time, Jason Tatum is a better basketball player than Paul George.
0: <laughs> I mean, when you cemented it, when you started off with this very moment in time, I don't think anyone's going to disagree with you.
1: He, but like, I, you know, I think sometimes in basketball, we, so there is so much pushback when you like, when you have a discussion and people be like, oh, dude, recency bias, recency bias. Well, unfortunately, this is the playoffs, right? Like, and it's happening right now. So if someone is proving themselves right now in the biggest stage to be a better player than someone else, there's something to that. So you can't just like I you know, it's just a pet peeve of mine people are like oh, recency bias. Well, yeah, he's playing better now. You can call it recency bias, but it doesn't make it less accurate in this case. But like do do a little let me give you a little um um let's do a little swap right now, right? Swap Jason Tatum with Paul
0: George right now. That's what are the Clippers better? People hate that argument, but I'm like it's 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 reasonable. Like the whole like Chris Middleton's great, you know. He does great in the Milwaukee system. I'm like, yeah, we'll swap him with Tatum, swap him with Pascal. How much better do those guys look, and how much worse does he look? Like, it's a legitimate argument. And yeah, if you had Jason Tatum being getting all the like the secondary defenders and having so many open shots to drive off a guy like Kawhi, like it's it's insane. I just if you look at J- Jason Tatum and Paul George, honestly, in general, they're pretty similar players. But yeah, yeah, playoff P. I don't know. There's people calling him post-traumatic P and pandemic P. So uh, <laughs> I was trying to. I'm trying to think of some more uh, P names for him. But uh, yeah, yeah, he, uh, yeah. He, ha- he hasn't looked good at all, and hopefully today he can look better. I don't know. I just. I don't know what I think about the Clippers. I guess I don't know if I'm cheering for them or not. I guess I'm cheering for Kawhi, but cheering against the rest of the Clippers. So, like in
1: in basketball, we need to do a better job, in my opinion, of recognizing trends in real time as they happen. And like, I'm just going to call it out right now. Like Jason Tatum is a better basketball player than Port- than Paul George, Than the whole Portland team. <laughs> than the entire, <laughs> well, um, so that is, that's my first take. I think I got spicier ones, but, um, what do you got? Hit me yeah. with something good. Zach. I'll
0: start off small too. Um, so first part of my take, I guess this isn't the hot part, but I am predicting a Lakers Houston second round. And in that second round, I'm picking Houston to win it. And that might not be that hot right now, but wow, I still think there would be a ton of people that would disagree with me. The way Houston has looked is absolutely amazing. I mean, Harden is, he's not having his typical playoff woes. Now, it is only the first round, but he, he's looked really good. Uh, Jeff Green has been amazing for them. Eric Gordon's finally playing well, and then you even have guys like macklemore and house and covington and tucker they're all doing their thing austin rivers looks good they they haven't even played with westbrook yet i think they're only going to get better so i think the anthony davis matchup will be tough but it seems like anthony davis has really enjoyed just settling for jumpers and i'm guessing a guy like covington will be on him and he'll take that all day they have tucker to match up with lebron and we saw how that went with cleveland and toronto not that great but tucker's still a very reasonable LeBron defender. And then we sure. go back to their guard defense. Who's going to guard Russ and Harden? Like, are they really going to put Danny Green and KCP on those two? I think they're going to get cooked.
1: Right. So this is where the Lakers are really going to miss Avery Bradley. But, like, at the, at the end of the day, this comes down to what version of Anthony Davis we see. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if after, the, you know, after this series – Let's say you're right, or let's say, say like Houston even goes to seven games, but they end up losing. People are gonna look back at this, and I think we're gonna finally get more people on the, you know, on our own self-created hype train that is geared towards criticizing Anthony Davis for not playing center and not playing closer towards the hoop. Um, and that's just basketball geometry. Like, guess what? You're Anthony. Da- How tall is Anthony Davis? Six ten. Yeah, he's probably right around seven foot. He's like six ten, six eleven, seven foot six wingspan. What's what's Rocco Six seven. Yeah, probably around there. He's pretty big, but like you know, at the end of the day, it's still a huge match yeah, for Anthony yeah. Davis. Like, if he doesn't play near the basket, it's like someone like someone should get fired for that, or we should heavily criticize Anthony Davis.
0: Like, it's one or the other. How many three-point attempts per game do you think the Houston Rockets are averaging this playoffs per game? Yeah, as a team, Th- these playoffs only. Just so, just the first three games. 45 52.7 three-point oh, attempts per game and they're shooting at a 34% rate so it's not that bad I mean they're making 18 three-pointers a game so that gives you like what I don't know thirty eight 54 points a game just off threes I, that's it that's pretty unbelievable I mean and you know what
1: I you know what I hate about some of the threes that they take like I hate when Harden and follow on threes and he doesn't do it like the pump fake way like yeah um Isaiah Thomas when he was on the Celtics always did that because he was littler like like he would like pump and jump into the guy for like that kind of three-point foul Harden just jumps forward and kicks his feet out and I freaking hate it I it's like I understand getting foul calls as part of the game but like it's just so is there something so wrong about it I can't really articulate it just bothers me
0: yeah no I I dislike that one I actually don't I don't mind the the rip through foul like when you catch a guy kind of with his arms extended towards you because i think at that point you're just utilizing your advantage to the rules but yeah when you start kicking out your feet and stuff i I, i'm not i'm not a big proponent of that so i don't mind when
1: people take advantage of a rule like the rip through but i think the rip through needs to go like let defenders put their arms out I, I hate that. Like, like there's – I feel like what the NBA is doing to defenders is really similar to what the NFL is doing to cornerbacks and, like, making it impossible to – like, the advantage is on the offense so much. It just – it's it really annoys me.
0: Yeah, I think if a defender has his arms out towards the side and the defen- and the offensive player reaches out and rips through to their arms, it shouldn't be a foul. I do think if the defender has his arms, like, stretched out toward and hand on his chest kind of thing and the offensive player rips through that way, I think that, that probably should no. be a foul. but.
1: Now why though? Like why like what is the difference between the def- putting your arms out like you know stretching out your wingspan to defend a pass versus putting your arm out in front of you to defend a shot?
0: I just think there is even if you don't purposely try to rip through their arm if you're just going up for a natural shot motion, you can knock a guy's arm if his arm is like stretched out right in front of you and touching your chest.
1: Okay, but like if if my arm is already there, right? and you're, you're the offensive player, and you bring your arm up through my arm, why should that be a penalty against the defender? He's taking away the shooting space before you shoot, and he's not, like, touching you. Think, do you know it, what I mean? It
0: just goes, I, I do, but it just goes back to the verticality issue, because then you have the same problem with layups. Like, if a guy jumps up and extends his arm forward, and you go through the guy's arm, like, that's everyone's going to agree that's a foul. So then, like, I don't think you can't—it gets too, like, touchy when you change it to, like— well, if he's there, like if his arms stretch out like one second before you go up to your shooting motion, then it's not a foul. But if he stretches it out while you're on your way up, I don't know. It's I think it's just too touchy of a, a thing that you get way too many judgment calls based off it, and it would just make people more mad.
1: It, it is. It's just I want to see the game go back. to, And I hear you saying, but like I want to see the game kind of shift tor- back towards like players scoring off of their own offensive shooting prowess than like watching Joel and B do rip throughs. Like against Daniel Tice, like, come on, like, is that a skill you practice? It just bothers me.
0: Yeah. It doesn't help how the game has, the rules have shifted more offense focused. And at the same time, we have the most talented offensive players we ever, we've ever had. And that's why we're getting like crazy point totals.
1: No, I know. I know. And it's also, in my opinion, it's just better for the game. Like less, less of the, like, if you can mitigate a few of those fouls and just have more offensive flow, like no one wants. Listen, nobody wants to watch James Harden take 13 free throws a game.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, I, uh, I do think drawing fouls is a skill. Like I I do think it is, but it's definitely made a lot easier with how many rules and how limited the defense is and what they can do as far as physical contact.
1: Look at that we we found common ground and and during this during this political environment we find ourselves in where we're living proof that you can do it guys.
0: <laughs> Look at that. You can uh you can disagree and find a common ground to agree or guys, you can even disagree and not find common ground and it doesn't mean you hate each other. I hate Zach. All right, let me get to my let me get to my second take. Um
1: I think that far too many times in basketball teams wait a little too long to make personnel decisions. I think regardless of what happens with Denver in this postseason, I think that they should try and consolidate some of their assets to get a better player.
0: Yes, sir. They and need, they need to.
1: So I am, um, you know, what's crazy is like the Jamal Murray sometimes has a game that's absolutely fantastic. And then he kind of disappears. I'm not a Jamal Murray believer. I think listen, I think he's a good player. I think he can be like a one or two time All-Star, but I'm not one of those guys that is like buying into all the hype pieces we see about him. Let me throw a trade out there for you. I'm going to throw out a couple, okay? Okay. And I think they actually make sense a little bit for both teams. Jamal Murray. Yeah. Bol Bull bol. Bull, uh-huh. Noah Vonley just for salary filler. Okay. Denver's 2021 first round pick
0: okay it's a big deal
1: for Ben Simmons
0: hmm I've actually um I heard someone say like Ben Simmons and Jokic together I think that would, that would be pretty freakish like passing wise and offensive flow wise I uh I'm not as big on the Ben Simmons Jokic pairing as some people because I think the best thing you can do around Jokic is just have shooters and, I mean, you could have three shooters plus Simmons and Jokic, but I think you can find an offensive guy that fits better with Jokic than Simmons. But I uh, I don't hate the deal for either team, no.
1: no. So Yeah, I, I agree with you. And, like, if the Nuggets did that, they'd have to find a way to, to bring in another shooter because, like, Gary Harris is very streaky. I mean, Michael Porter Jr. should be one of those guys. Um, defensively, that team would have a chance to get much better right away. I mean, they would have a top-five defensive player in the NBA um, who can literally guard one through five. Um, the passing would be great. What what they could do uh, during transition would be great. I and you know for Philadelphia, it makes sense. You know Murray's a guy who can run some pick and roll and he can play off ball. Bull Bull is a guy you take a, a swing at. You get a first round pick out of it. Um, that's one that I like. There are some other players that I think Denver should target, and I don't know if you know I'd have to go back to the trade machine and see what we can make happen. But like, they should totally go after a guy like JJ Redick, for sure. Right. And I don't know if New Orleans would want to give him up, but the rumor is New Orleans is growing weary of Lonzo Ball. So if they could do a Jamal Murray and someone else trade for like Lonzo Ball and JJ Redick, I would pull the trigger on that so quickly.
0: What if and I haven't gone through any sort of trade machine or any sort of like to know how this would work out. But what if you found a way to combine like Harris and Murray and maybe a young guy or a pick for Bradley Beal? That was another one I was looking at too. Like I would do I would do Jamal Murray and
1: Michael Porter Jr as a foundation for that right away. I Bradley Beal is an all NBA caliber player. He's right in his he's right smack in the middle of his prime and he's a perfect fit with Jokic.
0: You would have to have 3 3 and D guys like legitimately good defenders to pair with those two. But I mean, mm-hmm. you have a guy like Jeremy Grant uh yeah, I don't know any sort of 3 and D guy. I don't know who's a free agent this year, but yeah, I think those two together would make an absolutely like dominant offense
1: and it's one of those things where like you know i don't think denver fans would love it uh, love it rather because they're all in on i said lug it like like i was gonna say nugget um they wouldn't love it because they, they like jamal murray they like their homegrown guys they like michael porter jr they like they want to see what they have in bowl bowl but like this really just reveals your team building philosophy like at the end of the day for me i am more uh i i am more likely to bring in the sure thing So if you have a chance to bring in Simmons or Bradley Beal, and if that means trading away the potential ceilings of Jamal Murray or Michael Porter Jr., like I'm one who's going to do that most of the time. I mean not all the time, but most of the time. And championship windows close so quickly. So like Denver Denver needs to do something because – like does anyone really think they could win a finals the way they're constructed right now?
0: Yeah, no. And I mean, I think it goes back to fan bases and people in general just liking what you're used to. Like, you like what you're used to. So you as a Boston fan are used to a GM who accumulates assets and then makes a swing at a guy in free agency or makes a trade where... Denver isn't used to getting guys in free agency. They're, they haven't been used to having the young talent to make like a big trade for a big star. So they're kind of like, no, we've always done it this way. Let's just grow our homegrown talent. It's been a while since we've had this many good young players. So let's keep it and see how they grow together. And quite honestly, I think they're the best young core in the league, depending on what you consider young. Because if you have 25 and under young, then you got Jokic. Yeah. Uh, Porter, Bull, Murray, and then even only at like twenty six years old, like Monte Morris, Jeremy mm. Grant, like Gary Harris is only twenty six or twenty seven. Like they're a very young team, so they have a lot of assets that they could make for a potential deal. And who knows if if they really show dominant next year with their young core, that twenty twenty one free agency class is insane. So maybe someone would want to come.
1: Something else I would also maybe consider is if. Denver might want to look into maybe a swap for Golden State's number 2 overall pick. And maybe what they want to do is take a take, you know, swing for the fences on a high ceiling guy if they think they have a better chance of like raising their overall ceiling. Like it's just I mean it, it's just an idea but something to throw out there is like Denver can't win a championship the way that they are. Right? They just can't. And, like, they need to do something. Or what they sell to their fans is say, listen, we're going to keep the roster the way it is. And we're going to some years be in the Western Conference Finals. And some years get bounced in the first round or the second round. But, like, we're always going to make the playoffs. And you're going to enjoy it. So they need to find out what they want to do and pursue it.
0: Uh, We just got breaking news from Shams. It's not that breaking. But uh, Hayward left the bubble. And then he plans to return close to when he's uh, ready to play again. So... Uh, I hope he's okay, because the same thing with Jokic. You know, the best best basketball happens when the best players are there, and Hayward's clearly a really key piece for Boston. Uh, yep. My second hot take, this one's really, really quite something. Um, and I doubt I would get anyone to agree with me on this, not even Raptor fans, but I think we're pretty set at we're going to have a Boston-Toronto second-round matchup. And I am here to say that the best most dominant player in that matchup is going to be Fred Van Vliet. Oh my God. So far in the playoffs, he's shooting 65% effective field goal percentage, 55% from three. I think he's going to be responsible for guarding Kemba, which I think he can take Kemba right out of the thing or right out of the game, right out of the thing. Uh, The the thing like
1: it, like we're not talking about basketball. Like this isn't a basketball (laughs) podcast.
0: I think Boston's defense is going to try to load up on Pascal and Kyle. And I don't think they're going to pay near as much attention to Fred. And we've kind of seen what's happened here. And Fred has extended his range so much. He's shooting from like five feet beyond three-point line. It's really hard to block him. And do you know what he's shooting at the rim for a guard who's like 5'10", 5'11"? He's listed at six foot, but he's not. What's he shooting at the rim? Sixty-two percent from the from the rim. He's never shot like above fifty-five in his career. These playoffs, so I'm gonna say it. Fred VanVleet's gonna be the mo- the best player in that series.
1: Okay, so here's why you're wrong. <laughs> you like I'm just I, I just being that's my new thing for in 2020. I just wanted to be more upfront. Um, Zach, hey, here's why you're wrong. Okay, Gordon Hayward's not gonna start. We know that, and Marcus Smart will likely be the starter in that series. Marcus Smart is one of the top five to ten defenders in the league, like on any given day, and he'll probably be matched up with Fred Van. Vliet. They're going to put him on it's Kyle. A, it, do you
0: think so? If they put Kemba on Kyle Lowry, that one five pick and roll is going to get absolutely torched with Kemba and Tice.
1: Yeah, I, I well, for, Tice is a better defender than what people give him credit for, and and to be fair, Kemba's been playing awesome defense in the Philly years. Hey,
0: if if they if they put Kemba on Kyle Lowry. The same way they're putting Kemba on Josh Richardson. I will take that as a Raptors fan ten times out of ten. Like who are you and gonna that's fine? Who are you gonna put Kemba on? Like, I don't think you're gonna put him on Kemba. And then that leaves that you're gonna put him on Fred, and if you really don't feel comfortable with that, he's gonna be guarding OG. Like I think but Kemba like, is gonna get torched next series.
1: Even even if that happens, right? Like even if Kemba is guarding Fred Van Vliet, like are we gonna look back at the end of the series and be like, damn, the Celtics lost this series because Kemba couldn't lock down Fred Van Vliet. Like, I just that's don't think why that's
0: so- Team Giannis lost the All-Star game because Kemba couldn't guard anything, and the other team literally just went at him. It's also an all-star
1: game. And he's been playing great defense in this Philly series. And like it's been Yeah, but so- look who he's- he has to guard. He stepped it up. It doesn't matter, but he's like he stepped it up. It does up matter because right. he's and gonna have think- to guard a way better player. Like, do you think L- listen, uh, if if Nick Nurse sees a Van Vliet Kemba matchup and is like that's the one I want to hammer. As a Celtics fan, I will live with that ten times out of ten. Like, please keep the ball out of Pascal's hands, keep the ball out of Lowry's hands. Um, I'm totally cool with that. I think awesome. he's going to hunt,
0: hunt Kemba onto a switch onto whoever he can. That's fine. The Celtics have
1: awesome help defenders. Like, and if if it's let's say that there's a they decide to maybe start a little bigger, right? Where they don't have a Marcus Smart start, and maybe they have Semi in there because Brad Stevens does that from time to time. That means Jalen Brown would be guarding Van Vliet, and like that, like like good luck, because the Celtics did that during the regular season, and it, and it worked like remarkably well.
0: I just I don't I don't think Kemba's gonna be able to hold either of Toronto's guards, and whichever one he's on, I think is gonna cook, and I think it's more likely that he's on Fred than Kyle.
1: No, I, listen, I agree that like it's not a it's not a good matchup, but I don't think it's gonna be enough to like win the series.
0: Man, I don't know. I don't know. I saw Fred Wesley we'll get a finals MVP vote.
1: We'll see what happens. And I actually do think that Boston Toronto has the chance to be the best series of this postseason. Totally. Um, I So we'll see what happens. It's going to go down to the wire. And I really wish they had Hayward. Because if the Celtics had Hayward, I think I would pick Celtics in six, like pretty confidently.
0: Yeah, I... Uh... I don't know. It makes the Celtics a lot better, but I think the coaching in the playoffs makes such a big difference. And as much as Brad Stevens is fantastic, I still think Nurse is just head and shoulders above anyone else when it comes to adjustments and creativity. Sure. I'm just going to pick the
1: team that has the best player. Um
0: which is Fred And Natalie. might even have
1: might even have the best two players. Okay, relax.
0: <laughs> relax. Oh, who whoa, whoa. who who on the Celtics are you taking second over Pascal? I I'm on any given night Jalen Brown can be a better player than Pascal. Ah! Yeah, stop it. <laughs> it's absolutely true. I love how you had to preface it with any given night, though. Any given but, night, Kyle could be better than Tatum.
1: I mean, but it's not going to happen as frequently as what Jalen could be. I'm just saying, he could be as good as Pascal Siakam. Oh, he's been crushing it. This- Dude, so you're, so you're telling this me
0: if out. if Masai came to Danny was like, yo, we'll just give you Pascal for Jalen straight up, you would say, nah, Jalen. I'm taking Jalen if he did it straight up yeah he was just like pascal for jalen let's just do it i would so i would keep jalen just because he has a higher ceiling relax he does though (laughs) relax
1: pascal's been playing basketball
0: for like five years
1: he but like jalen has a higher ceiling i mean right, right now all right let me ask you right now what's the what's the most important skill in basketball uh i mean it's probably shooting shooting and specifically creating your own shot who's better at that right now
0: Uh, I mean, I, I really don't think it, it it is really Jalen Brown. There's a lot of
1: hesitation there, but still,
0: but we haven't seen him do it as the number one guy. He's been like the third most focused on guy on Boston's offense when you're, when you're game planning for them.
1: Right. But he's had moments and like, we, we saw this and I always come back to this Christmas day game. Like he was creating a shot nonstop and getting whatever he wanted so like listen i love pascal siakam i think he's an awesome player i think he's a great talent i think he's a really good like guy to have in your locker room as well which is super valuable but like the one thing that worries me about him is is he is he going to be that guy who can ever close a game in the final two minutes by bringing the ball up the court and creating his own shot i think jalen has a better chance of doing that
0: yeah i don't know pascal's done it this year where he's uh he's hit some big shots And I also think as much as Jalen is a good defender, Pascal's a better defender by by quite a wide margin just because of his versatility.
1: Mm, I would I would push back a little bit against that. So, like, listen, right now Pascal's a better player. Long term, I wouldn't be surprised if Jalen ended up being a little bit better. Yeah, I can't see that at That's all. all I'm saying. We'll, we'll make it a futures bet.
0: I would take Tatum over Pascal. I'm not taking Brown over Pascal.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. But the gap between Jalen Brown and And Pascal Siakam is not as big as what people think.
0: I mean, starting All Star versus not even an All Star. But he should
1: have been an All Star and is an All Star caliber player. And everyone and Jalen Brown this year was basically was so close to fifty forty. Um, and then the the ninety ish was kind of far away. But but like he he put up some shooting stats this year that were unbelievable.
0: No, he's great. But you can't tell me literally if Pascal and Jalen switch spots that Toronto would be even close in a Boston-Toronto matchup.
1: No, no, you're right. But what I'm saying is, like, long term, I'd, I'd rather have Jalen. You yeah. know what? Let's put out a tweet. Let's that that's a great tweet to put out. We'll just we'll do a poll. We'll say, hey, over the next five years, who would you rather have, Pascal or Jalen Brown? I mean, sure. But it's gotta it's gotta come from. See, there's gonna be bias because you have all those Raptors supporters. All right, we'll figure it out.
0: It'd be um, biased either way towards where if you put it out or I put it out. We'll do it
1: from the Playgrounder account and we'll both retweet it. Um. Okay, here's I have another hot take for you guys, and then and then we'll 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 kind of wind this down so we can get to our other interview. Um, Portland is going to this is this
0: is the off season that they finally make a trade. Finally, they have to. Who are they gonna do? De- who are they gonna deal?
1: So Kevin Love is is like the most reasonable and you know option. I mean, not just because he's from that area, but it makes sense. Like mm-hmm. you know he's not a long-term deal. I don't think Cleveland wants that. Um, and, and for Portland, like they have, they have assets like Anthony Simons is still a good young asset. Um, Zach Collins is injured, which really hurts his stock, but um, he, he's an asset. Um, Gary Trent jr. Has proved himself to be an asset. So like, there are things that they can give up. They could give up Nurkic, who I like, but I think he caps their ceiling unless he becomes a reliable three point shooter. Um, they they have guys that they can give up, and I don't think Cleveland would need too, too much considering Love's contract, it, it, they, but they have to make a move. Like, we, we saw it this year that they're a really good team, but they got to go all in.
0: There's a, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going around about how Embiid wants out of Philly and stuff, and I wonder if you could package something around like CJ McCollum and some other guys and pair Lillard and Embiid together.
1: I I've been a big fan of CJ McCollum going to to Philadelphia, but like for Ben Simmons, um what well, I don't know if they need to that'd do something. That would be
0: insane. I I don't think it's going to happen, but that'd be crazy if you could pair Lillard with one of those uh Philly guys. Preferably Embiid, but I think either or would be a pretty great duo.
1: They ha- they have to do something though. Like they they just have such a capped ceiling.
0: And they're pretty, yeah, they're, they're stuck in mediocrity. And that was like the Raptors the whole time before they got Kawhi when it was Demar and Kyle. As much as they were getting like one seeds, two seeds, they're just, their ceiling was capped off at, you're not going to beat a team that has like a true, true superstar. And for three years in a row, that was just LeBron. But like they wouldn't have beat a Kawhi-led team or a KD-led team or anything with those mm. two. So yeah, no, they need to make a, a trade and just go all in because Lillard is a top 10 player probably. So if you compare him with another one, you have a real chance.
1: I, I agree, and like I'm not saying a guy like Kevin Love makes you a, ch- like a championship, like a, you know, a contender right away. But like, wh- who would you rather have in this series, Nurkic or Kevin Love?
0: Yeah, I mean, I just in general, I would rather have Kevin Love.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and like, you know, we we really see that sometimes it hurts Portland's spacing, and it, it makes it makes good it makes good sense for them. So, um, my my take is like, you know, I think this is the off season that we do see something from Portland.
0: I hope so I hope you're right I like Portland I like Lillard I want to see him you know be rewarded for his loyalty and not just being going all everywhere to to team up with superstars so I hope he gets rewarded I like him he seems like a a good guy and he's an easy guy to cheer for for sure because stays pretty quiet for the most part other than that Paul George beef but I also think he was a hundred percent in the right during that whole Paul George beef agreed uh how about we get to our uh interview with j.r. Radcliffe We talk Milwaukee bucks with him have some fun there so uh why don't we go there right now boom let's do it all right we're uh we're joined here by jr radcliffe he's <laughs> he's the the trending sports reporter at the milwaukee journal sentinel did i get that right we were kind of laughing beforehand because matt said there was a hundred percent chance i screwed it up and even <laughs> if i said it a hundred percent right there i still screwed it up so
2: uh welcome to the show jr well, thanks. Yes, you had you had to hedge a little bit, but you did get it. Trending sports reporter at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. That works for me. It's a mouthful like that's and it's a lot of L's, too. I just it's like a tongue twister. Yeah, and I, I think it's one of those positions trending sports position that's kind of new. I don't know if we really have arrived at the right name for it yet, so it's not necessarily my favorite title per se but I don't know of a better way to describe what it is I do so it, it sort of fits right now hopefully somewhere along the line we'll get some new terminology that I can uh, that I can use that's a little bit smoother off the tongue but it also like I feel like when when you have a title like that um, it makes it more like
1: memorable you, you you stick out you know
2: yeah maybe maybe that that works um I don't know I, I hope that's a good thing that I'm more memorable but but I don't know that's not a guarantee we'll we'll ask our listeners um but before we dive into some basketball questions
1: so i was um i was kind of stalking around your twitter page today and i noticed that um it it says it's like i miss so much of the 90s now zach's not a
2: zach you were not
0: born in the 90s right i am a 98 baby just made it so you don't count um
2: that is a JR. good year. I was certainly a sophomore in high school then and uh, and and very much enjoyed the year 1998. Good yeah. times.
0: Yeah, Matt. What do you got to say about that? Good
1: year. Listen, all I was going to say was I was going to ask JR if he could
2: convince Zach why the 90s might be the best decade ever. Well, I think I mean for one thing, everybody just gravitates toward their, the the decade of their youth. But uh, the music was awesome. We were still using guitars and rock songs, which I appreciate. No guitar anymore. The political climate was extremely tame. I mean, I'm sure there were some issues here and there, but for the most part, compared to what we have now, there was like nothing to worry about. It was very uh, just a just a very chill time. The movies were very good. I'm pretty sure it all boils down to what my preferences are, which I can't really convince someone of, you know, in a vacuum. But I mean, the music was the most important thing. The music was fantastic. I can't listen to anything we have going on right now, pretty much except for Blinding Lights by The Weeknd, which I'm obsessed with. But everything else sucks. Just 90s music for me. My phone is littered with it. I don't know if I've downloaded a new song and it's probably been a few years now. So I'm stuck in my ways. This was also like, in my opinion, kind of like peak slash beginning
1: uh, Eminem. And like, we're not going to see that again.
2: That's true. I don't know if we are going to see... I mean, there are some megastars, so I don't know, like, I guess, I guess Taylor Swift is sort of a, she's certainly a post nineties megastar Beyonce to, to a degree, but you know, there's, there's obviously so much more freedom and options now with, with pop culture. And that's very much a good thing, but the monocultural experience is kind of, uh, (laughs) I don't, I don't mean to sound too like heady about it, but it's, you know, we don't have that as much anymore. There isn't a TV show that literally everyone is watching game of Thrones probably is going to be the last one of its kind because we have so many options. Who's going to sit down and watch the same show or listen to the same music because they could go 40 different outlets to get what they want specifically. So, uh, so there were the, the mega star. Yeah. I think Eminem might be one of the last of his kind come to think of it.
1: Should we just get basketball and go into a culture podcast?
2: Oh yes. I'm here for that. That's great. <laughs> so do you just, uh, um,
0: do you just give a big X to my boy, Justin Bieber? I,
2: you know, I, I, I gotta tell you, when I was in the 90s, I loved Canadian rock music. Like, I was a huge Our Lady Peace guy, Finger Eleven, Econoline Crush, Early, I stress Early, 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 Early Nickelback. Uh, there were a lot of solid 90s rock bands that I was all in on. I've seen all of them live. I love them very much. Sometimes, you know, when I think of Canadian music, that's what I think of. The Beebs is not not something I think of when I when I think of the, the virtues of Canadian music. I'm sorry. Yeah, my not uh
0: yet. my my 90s music is definitely not um diverse at all. Actually, I couldn't <laughs> even name you who the top, who the most famous band in the 90s was. I I just I don't know. As you said, I was born in 98, so I was there for a couple of years, but I didn't really experience it.
2: Yeah, it might be like the Tea Party or something that's off the American radar a little bit. I don't know either. I don't know what the good answer to that would be either.
0: Uh, I do want to ask you a question kind of coming back to 2020. Uh, How does it feel? And maybe I guess I can ask you, do you think this is true? That other than L.A., Milwaukee kind of has like some of the most top end talents as far as individual players in every sport, because you got Giannis and then you got Aaron Rodgers and then you got Christian Mm. Yelich, too. So I think other than L.A., is Milwaukee like the place to be for
2: superstars? It's definitely not something that's lost on us here, and and I wrote a lot about that when Giannis won the MVP last year. The uh, the MVP capital of the world was sort of uh, sort of what we were running with, and and pointing out that you know not only that Ryan Braun won the MVP, you could <laughs> there's a lot to discuss with that, a lot of baggage there. But in 2011, won the MVP with the Brewers, and he's still on the team. So technically, we're, we've got four, you know, not technically we've got four rostered MVPs in the market right now. Turns out Oakland and the Bay Area kind of had a had a run that by most metrics is probably a little bit better or is definitely a little bit better, but yeah, Milwaukee is, is way up there. And, you know, I I don't, I I realize most people around the world are not super familiar with Milwaukee's athletic plight. The Packers have been good. They're, uh, they're two, two hours North of here roughly. And uh, obviously everyone in Milwaukee is a Packers fan. So there has been teams to cheer for, but the most recent, championship in this city in the city of milwaukee is 1971 milwaukee bucks wow. and the last time they've been to a world series or or any championship is 1982 1982 the brewers went to their one and only world series 1974 is the bucks the last time they were in a uh, in an nba finals uh three years before three years before that kareem got them their only title so uh you know and before that you're talking milwaukee braves teams that left town in 1965 like they they, they won one world series so it's kind of a, kind of a, a drought, I, I guess might be the wrong word because of the Packers, but it's definitely a town that's starved for sort of athletic success of any kind. It's had a lot of dry spells, and to have all of these guys here at one time is very special. There was a Bucks game last year in the playoffs where Christian Yelich was there, Aaron Rodgers was there watching Giannis. I think Brian Braun was there, too. There was sort of a famous video board moment where where uh, David Bakhtiari, the Packers offensive lineman, downed a few drinks. Yeah, and Aaron Rodgers couldn't keep up. Right. That was all there. Christian Yelch was there that night, too. Took a couple a uh, couple drinks for the big board. I mean, that was a very big moment in Wisconsin sports. And that was a game that the Raptors won. I mean, that was game five. So uh, that was a, that was a tough finish. But uh, but it, it was a pretty special time to be in the city of Milwaukee.
0: I guess trending more towards uh, the topic of team success, how crazy would you have told me that I am if I came to you before the first round started and I basically told you, I'm going to place a bet on every Eastern Conference series being a sweep except for Milwaukee's. How crazy would you have told me that I am?
2: (laughs) I don't know. I, I, Yeah, I would would have thought that was odd. Now, the one thing you can say is that the Bucs did not play well in those seeding games. There were so many mitigating circumstances. I mean, you could explain away just about every one of those games and you explain it kind of the same way. Those games didn't matter to the Milwaukee Bucks. They came to Orlando knowing they were two outcomes away from being the number one seed in the East. They, they picked that up pretty quickly. And those games were just tune ups, essentially. So when you get to game one, you I think everyone here, everyone's using that phrase flipping the switch. Everyone expects the Bucks to turn it on and really get into gear, especially against a magic team that, you know, is hurt. They've got they're missing a ton of guys like no Aaron Gordon, no Mobamba, uh, no Jonathan Isaac. MCW isn't playing. I mean, you know, not all those guys are stars by any means, but they, they could have posed problems. So uh seeing the Bucks crush Detroit in the first round last year just dominate four games. Yeah, I think everybody thought the bucks were gonna sweep too. I, I, I think everyone is talking about it in terms of well, maybe the magic sneak a game out or maybe maybe God forbid they sneak two out. but to win that first game was definitely jarring and yeah looking at the rest of the east and thinking everybody else is only gonna have to play four games is not something i would have anticipated at all uh although i maybe maybe, maybe knowing what the sixers were ended up you know facing maybe maybe i would have thought thought long and hard about that but uh but yeah the bucks uh, the bucks definitely gave everybody a scare they've looked a little better the last two games especially in game three so uh so hopefully the ship has turned around a little bit for their sake so i want to talk to you a little bit more about um that game one loss but like
1: any you know any time Zach basically opens the door for you to call him crazy and kind of pile on, um, you know please take advantage of that just for my sake. Sure thing. Um, yeah, just no going forward. You know you, you feel free <laughs> to just toss that out there and be like you know if this kid doesn't know what he's talking about. I would appreciate that. Um, so let you know it was you touched upon that game one a little bit and you also said that um, Milwaukee was what like three and five in the in the bubble games. Sure. Yeah. How how alarmed were you after that three and
2: five stretch and that that game one loss like what was your level of alarm I mean I guess just my personal view on it it it, it wasn't very high it couldn't have been those games didn't matter and as much as we wanted to say that they need to they need to get into game shape or whatever cliche you want to use those games just didn't matter they had their, their starters played 16 minutes together in the seeding games I mean there wasn't really they just couldn't treat it like like normal games, and Giannis didn't play in two of them, and uh, some of the bench guys weren't playing well. That was some that was a concern. The bench has been a big part of what they've done over the last couple of years, and and to not see those guys really clicking, guys like George Hill, Dante Divincenzo, uh, Robin Lopez at times. I mean that that's a concern, but you know you if if you're if you're following the Bucks, that's not something that jumps out at you as saying wow they're, they're really there's something to be worried about here. That that wasn't concerning to me personally. I know that there were fans who were getting antsy. I and mean, the Bucks lost their last three games going into the COVID stoppage, which I realize no one remembers and no one should. Yeah, you know, some of their starters didn't play in those games either. But uh, um, you know, they, you you suddenly look at the track record, it's like wow, it's really starting to pile up here. You know, three wins in 12 games or whatever it is, and then the the, the game one loss. Obviously, on top of that, the game one loss was the concern. That's where I think everyone really sat up and was like, okay, this is going to be a lot tougher. Then we realize, knowing that they're probably still going to beat the Magic, but it's not about the Magic if you're the Bucks, you know. It's about the Heat and the Raptors and and the Celtics, whomever they end up facing. So uh, that was certainly a concern, and still, you know, I think still is a little unsettling. The fact of the matter is, the Bucs will have not swept this series, and I'm sure a lot of Milwaukee fans felt like that was going to happen. So, uh, so there's still a little bit uh, a little bit of pause until they get into the Eastern Conference semifinals. Then, then maybe I think things can start to feel a little bit more normal again.
0: Now, we know, obviously, the Bucks have been a really good team the past two seasons. They finished number one in the East. They went to the conference finals last year. And despite, as you mentioned, losing game one here, they're still looking like they could quite possibly make a finals run. But I know there's a ton of people on the side of believing that Giannis can't be the, the, the main guy in a championship team because of his weaknesses. But I like to really push back against that because I feel like he's been good in the playoffs throughout you know, the past two seasons. I kind of turn towards the other guys because we've seen struggles in Middleton and Bledsoe, so I want to ask you as a Bucks guy, is there anyone on this Bucs roster who you just truly 100% trust in the playoffs aside from Giannis? <sighs>
2: So Chris Middleton is one of the more controversial even in this market one of the more controversial players that, that has come through here. There are a lot of people who did not did not believe he merited the close to max contract that he got before this season because he isn't he isn't one of those grade A certifiable tier 1 superstars. I think he's going to be on an all NBA team this year, maybe the third team, but uh but he isn't he isn't like a star and, and I get that and part of that is his personality, part of that is his game. He is a jump shooter in a league that doesn't jump shoot anymore. Um his defense is solid. He's he can hit from anywhere on the floor. He flirted with, you know, the 40-50-90 the threshold that, that uh everybody sort of strives for with two-pointers, three-pointers, and, and free throws. So um he, I just think his game is pretty underrated. And I think as a playoff guy, he's had bad games for sure. Uh, But he's had great ones like he he was single handedly their their best player against the Celtics in twenty eighteen. He was really good again against the Celtics in twenty nineteen. Very good in the opening round series. I mean, he has shown up, but because he just doesn't ooze stardom, I, I think. Locally and nationally, people don't really understand what he brings to the table, and and ultimately that's fine. That doesn't matter. Um, you know, Eric Bledsoe is another guy who's been up and down in the playoffs. He's had really good series. He's a defense-first guy, and that doesn't always translate when we're talking about you know difference makers. So I think that's part of the equation as well. Uh, but but he's had bad games, bad series for sure. And uh, the Celtics really took it to him a couple of years ago. It was a very memorable memorable mark that that was left there. So. Uh, I understand why there's some some consternation there with those guys. I do believe Chris Middleton is 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 excellent. I do believe he can be 100% a number 2 guy on a championship team. I also think Giannis is so good that he doesn't maybe need a number 2 guy in in the same context that we sort of think of them, but um but I mean, I, I really am a big believer in Chris Middleton. I think he gets undersold and and uh, I think I think he's very special. I, I hope I, I would love to see people start to come to realize that I would love to see the Bucks make a deep run and Middleton really shine. Uh, I think he's you know, he's he's deserving of a spotlight here. So there are two quick things here. Um, number one, consternation
1: is the biggest word anyone has ever used on this podcast. So Zach and I, um, <laughs> you know, want to want to thank you for that. Yeah, we're and, idiots. Uh,
2: that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. I got I got more. We'll see what I pull out of my bag of vocabulary tricks here. I've I've got I've got words. Listen, if you have better words in your lexicon, which is also an <laughs> SAT word, feel yes, <laughs> feel free that. to chuck them out.
1: <laughs> and um secondly, so like I don't know. So when I was in seventh grade, I had chicken marsala and just did not sit well with me. I ended up throwing it up. And you know how like anytime you do that, whenever you see that food or smell it, you have kind of like that reaction. As a Celtics fan, that's what I get when I see Chris Middleton.
2: <laughs> yes, I thought that might be where we were going. Which uh, first yeah. of all, chicken marsala is amazing, and for me, it's corn dogs. But anyway, carry on. <laughs> oh, I don't even. We'll have to dive
1: into that that your corn dog, sorry, a little later on. But yeah, it's, it's ruined chicken marsala for me, and and at the same time, it's ruined like the greatness of Chris Middleton. Um, so, you know what what I what I wanted to ask you um, was I feel like, and I'm not going to name names, but um, what I've kind of seen around the the Twitter sphere is some people are questioning if Coach Bud is good enough to kind of you know get the bucks over that hump, past the Eastern Conference Finals and coach them to a championship. Um,
2: do you think like th- people are reasonable to have any doubt about Bud and his ability to do that? I, I, I truthfully, that's the first time I have seen it is really very recently. Even, even last year when they lost to the Raptors, I didn't see that at least locally. Nobody was, mm. nobody was questioning coach, coach Mike Budenholzer, but it was his first year. I mean, I think getting to the Eastern conference finals was pretty sweet for Bucks fans in a macro sense. So this is the first time that's really popped up on my radar. I, I think where the criticism comes in is that he is not a guy who adjusts a lot to the other team, what they're doing. He likes to keep it, you know, keep, he likes to focus on the Buck strengths and stick to that plan. And to be quite honest, it works almost all the time. It works 90% of the time. They, they don't even get into many close games, they just blow teams out. At least they did prior to this sort of lull that they've been in, uh, you know, roughly pre COVID and, and then just into the bubble here. But, uh, um, it's worked so I guess I haven't seen it now now the Raptor series last year is sort of one of those things that people point to say well he should have adjusted more but I also think that's a little nebulous like I don't know exactly what he should have adjusted to I think Kawhi Leonard was just out of his mind good Fred Van Vliet was out of his mind good Siakam is great like I think they just ran into a team that was clicking and it didn't work for them even after they got up to nothing so uh you know, outside of that, they were 10 and one into the playoffs going into those those four losses. So, like, I don't know what more they could have done. Um, and I still I, I do feel that I feel he's I mean, I feel he's excellent. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't second guess him at all. I do think they adjusted a little bit in this Orlando series to sort of harass Nikola Busevich a little more. And that's helped their cause. But uh, I, I, I guess if nothing else, I would say there isn't even enough of a book on him in Milwaukee. It's only his second full year here, second year here. Um, so way too early in my mind to start questioning what he's done as he's taken this team to, uh, to the number one seed in the East back to back years. I feel like that speaks for itself. Um, it's going to take a lot, a lot more track record of, of disappointment before I, I would personally start to think that that boot are, you know, discontent will pick up.
0: So I'm actually really happy that you brought up that Raptors series because I'm actually a Raptors fan, and Matt's actually a Celtics fan, so between the three of us, we make up the top of the East here. And I saw a it's bunch true. of stuff on Twitter uh, last year during that series and a bunch of stuff on the news, but I really want to get the lowdown from you who was on the inside. How confident was that city and fan base after going up 2-0 on the Raptors?
2: Yeah, you go up 2-0, you got to feel like you're going to win it, right? And And everyone did, but I will say this – I mentioned before the Milwaukee sort of the history with sports championships. There's not much of one, you know, like it's, it's not, it is not comfortable for Milwaukeeans to be in the pole position. They, they definitely, there's definitely still hand wringing. There's definitely still concern. And, you know, game three is a double overtime loss. Now I I think the Raptors should have won that game, but it went to double overtime. The Bucks easily could have stolen that. And then if it's three, nothing, I mean, that's curtains, right? So, and maybe, maybe not, I don't know, but uh, the Bucs were absolutely like just a hair away from the NBA finals, someplace they have not been since 1974. I think that's probably a little bit uh, just something Bucs fans couldn't wrap their mind around. I mean, remember the year before that, they were, I don't remember if they were a sixth seed in the East or a seventh seed in the East. You know, they, they pushed the Celtics to seven games. I think they were the seventh seed, but they were not, you know, they were not anywhere close to the best team in the east they took a jump in a hurry to go from what that was a playoff team but not a legitimate threat to being maybe the favorite to win the whole thing you know you don't see that a lot from nba teams so um i I just think we all had whiplash i'm not sure milwaukeeans were prepared for that to to be like thinking in those terms thinking that it's a huge disappointment for example to go to the eastern conference finals and no further i think that's a that's a that's a success. That's a successful season. I mean, people, you know, massive crowds turned out when Giannis came back to with his MVP trophy in front of the arena. I mean, this was not this was not thought of as a disappointment over time. Uh, And and I do think fans in the moment were probably not not all in on it happening because they've they've been disappointed so many times. So uh, this year may be a little bit different, though. and, And COVID has thrown that off. But this year is sort of okay. Last year was fun went further than, than most people have seen them go the furthest they've gone since 2001. They're definitely, they're definitely, they have to go further this year. So this year, if they stop short now, now I think it's going to be disappointment because Bucks fans expect, they they expect this team to at minimum go to the NBA finals.
1: Yeah. As, as someone who, um, enjoyed a lot of those really early, early pre-World series, um, early 2000s Red Sox teams, I can tell you like that, that, there is a pressure of getting over the hump, like as a fan. But but once you actually get you know to that final round, the the sigh of relief is like one of the best feelings. Even before you start that that championship round, but before the Bucks can get there, they still kind of have a tough road. Um, I was curious j- to hear your opinion on um, who who might be a defender that Giannis uh, could run into um, that that could actually give him a little bit of trouble in this year's postseason.
2: I mean, I think the obvious answer is Bam Adebayo, Miami. He's a guy who's, who's matched up pretty well with Giannis to this point. And, 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 I mean, Giannis has had success against him, too. There's nobody that's going to hold him down for a prolonged period of time. We saw briefly the magic. You know, Gary Clark had some success in game one. But, like, you know, he kind of ate Gary Clark for lunch in game three. I mean, Giannis figures it out. There is no one who's going to hold them down. But Adebayo is solid. The Heat have played the Bucks very well this year. I, uh, the Bucs did beat them in the bubble, but it took a crazy second half comeback to do it. And Miami beat the Bucks in their home opener earlier this year. I mean, Miami has has success against Milwaukee, so uh, so that is that is absolutely a concern. I think with Toronto, if I'm looking at them, it's it's less about who's going to individually stop Giannis and more about just the way they play team defense. You know, I think that they. Yeah, I just think Nick Nurse is special, and I think he he's gonna have some stuff cooked up for him. Uh, I don't know about Boston. I mean, they've got you know for last year, Al Horford was thought of as the Giannis stopper, and you know maybe it worked out for a second or two for Game One, and then it was over. So similar similar sort of thing. Like you know, I don't know if there is a a true Giannis stopper out there, but uh, but I mean, I I think the Miami matchup could be pretty interesting. I don't think that's a sweep by any means or a five gamer. I think that could go pretty deep. That's a that's a concern. Listen
1: JR if you want to say
2: uh Semi O'Gele is the honest stopper, I mean no one's no one's stopping you here from from you know pro- proclaiming that I mean Semi O'Gele is a very fun name to say and I like saying it <laughs> and I love talking about Semi O'Gele uh he he's good like they're, they're solid no one's I, I don't want to overlook the Celtics but uh you know, I, I, I would personally not be worried if I were Giannis. That's that's all I'm saying. If I if Maybe. I if I, were, if I had that skill set, I would not be worried about much of anything. Fair
0: I, uh, point. I actually I'm I'm with you on that Miami Milwaukee series. I think it'll be great. And they probably won't sweep them just like Milwaukee is going to sweep Orlando here in this first round. Uh, so ironically, <laughs> I actually had this question written out before the interview even started. So uh, I just for some reason felt tempted to write this down do you have like a story about corn dogs or something? Because I just, for some reason I (laughs) felt like you would.
2: No, I wish, I wish I did. That's, (laughs) that's funny. Uh, no, I just, a situation where I got sick, sick right around the time we were eating corn dogs. There's a smell in the house and I'll Uh. never forget it. I love cornbread. I don't really eat. I don't, oddly enough as a Wisconsinite, I don't really eat hot dogs, brats, hamburgers. I guess that's probably a, probably something that would work against me if I was trying to apply for my Wisconsin card. But, uh, but uh, i love cornbread i just can't i can't i th- put them together It's the state fair it's one of the worst things about the state fair walking around smelling the corn dogs but no no good story i apologize
0: i'm kind of with you on that whole like smell while you're sick thing because for the longest time fettuccine alfredo was that for me like i ate it and the smells in the house and i don't think it gave me food poisoning at all because no one else got sick but yeah I, I got super sick with the flu that night and for the longest time i couldn't eat it And even now i'm still kind of like easy towards it but yeah it's uh it's not as bad but yeah i'm totally i i completely understand where you're coming from with that uh i do have another question because as a raptors fan last year obviously we had Kawhi, but he, the, the, the kind of theme around him leaving was always kind of there no matter how much success the Raptors had so I'm kind of wondering if in Milwaukee with Giannis's free agency kind of up in the air and maybe it'll be more like this next year but is do you sense kind of a cloud over this season like maybe not fully being able to enjoy the success just because you know that at the end of next year he could be gone
2: absolutely but not maybe in how you'd think I I think most so there's been no evidence to suggest that he's going to leave. And and obviously you don't need evidence. I mean, LeBron walked away from his hometown, right? So like, you know, that it's it's always possible. The one thing he has said is he wants to win. He wants to know he's in a position to win. I'm sure a lot of guys are the same way. And, and the implication there is he wants to know that the Bucks are building a team around him that's going to get him into the championship, you know, get him get him as close to a championship as he can get. I feel like the Bucks the have done everything. Like they're not a young team. They they imported the right guys, they kept the right guys. They've had the best record in the East back to back years. They fell short last year. It's possible they fall short again this year. And if they do, I think that's a concern because that's the number one thing. but but, you know, he's talked about his wanting his son to grow up here, which, you know, take it for what it's worth. But he has he has said nothing but wonderful things about Milwaukee. He has shown no no signs of of being antsy or wanting to move on. he He really seems like a private person who might appreciate the smaller market. So I think the the cloud is when, National writers, national talk show hosts opine where he's going to go. I he's going to go to L.A., I was going to do this. And, and Bucks fans are sitting here like, what do you want from us? We have the best team in the NBA record wise. We've got a legit championship caliber team. We can pay him more money than anyone can by a lot, you know, when you figure in the max and how it works. So what what would he possibly be looking for if he's the type of guy who doesn't want, you know, L.A. nightlife or New York nightlife? Baked into the Milwaukee experience, especially for Bucks fans, is that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was here from 1971 to 75, and then he left. You know, he wanted to be on a coast somewhere and was very honest about it, but he wanted to be out outside of Milwaukee, and uh, they, they made a trade for him. They got great players for him who had great careers here. Some of their numbers even hang in the rafters. So, like, the Bucks didn't get the shortest end of the stick other than, you know, the all time greatest scorer in NBA history, didn't play the majority of his career in Milwaukee. So don't I'm not going to pretend like that's not part of the fabric of Milwaukee sports fandom. Like there are people who think this is just Kareem part two. And there's obviously some nerves here because he hasn't just said point blank, I'm going to resign in Milwaukee and he doesn't need to. And until he does, people are going to be nervous about that. But if they don't go to the finals, if they stop short, I do think I do think the alarm bells need our right to go off a little bit more than they would have before. So here's something that I'm interested in because,
1: um, you know, you are someone who works in media and, and Zach and I are just kind of like in the, in the fake it till you make it stage right now. um, Admittedly. So, uh, you know, I always kind of felt like if I, let's say I had a job working for the LA times and I was covering the Lakers Um, I would be really tempted or, you know, let's say I was working for uh, some, you know, some publication in Miami, I would be really tempted to maybe start the rumors myself. (laughs) just to like you know what I mean like just just to to get it out there that Giannis may be coming and kind of like speak it into existence like so you know how does this work among people in the media like like how do you go about these rumors you know what's what's your protocol if you do hear anything
2: I I mean I just uh, that would be really journalistically unethical to sort of start the conversation quite that way you know I I think I I don't think that's I don't, I don't know anybody who would do that. It doesn't mean it, I I suppose it's possible, you know, some of these rumors, you wonder where they come from. It's at this point, it's usually a Reddit messenger who knows somebody and has said a couple of things that were spot on in the past. So (laughs) has a connection. And I mean, and, and, and nothing against like Reddit or anything. I love, I love that world. I love the, I love the way that it works and it's, it's definitely a modern, a modern science, but, uh, but yeah, I don't, I think it's, I think journalists are, at least in Milwaukee, the way they're handling Giannis is, you know, he wants to be left alone about it. He doesn't want to talk about it every single day. And I think that these wishes are being respected. I mean, there's really nothing to be gained to hear him say, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, I, I haven't made up my mind yet, especially because we do. There, there is another year. You know, he will be under contract next year. He will be Milwaukee Buck next year. So it's possible he doesn't sign the Supermax right away, but then chooses to later. Obviously, if he chooses to wait, that's going to you know, everyone's going to get worked up about that. So um So, yeah, it's uh, it's it's just a big waiting game and and maybe news breaks from a third party somewhere along the way. But, you know, it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. I think it's I think it's just right down right now. It's Giannis going to tell us, tell everybody when he's ready to tell everybody. And that's just that's just what everyone's sort of dealing with. Well, just know that if you hear any Giannis to Boston rumors that it 100 (laughs) percent came from me. (laughs) <laughs> I will. I will keep that in mind and track you down. I'd. I. I'd be curious to know how Boston's going to pull that off. That's. Uh, that's a tricky. Uh, tricky puzzle for them. But you know, anything's possible when you're talking about. Uh, talking about a superstar. I'm starting the rumors regardless. All right, sounds good. Sounds but good. You also don't have to
0: lie, right? Like, say I just stated two factual statements of, "Hey, Giannis is free agent in 2021. The Raptors have a lot of cap space in 2021, right? And then all of a sudden, you have a big name, and all you need is three people to take <laughs> off with it, and it's gone, and it's all because of you.
2: Yeah, or the Miami Heat are interested in moving player X. Actually, this came up with Bam Adebayo to free up enough money so that they have enough money to, you know, bring in a big time free agent in 2021. Like, yeah, you see that, you see those dots connected a lot. That's just that's just par for the course. I totally get it. Of course, you know, of course it's going to happen um, until until we know one way or the other. I would suspect, like, if I if I was a betting man, I would put money on him signing that supermax. Maybe not day one, but pretty you know, pretty quickly to sort of quiet it down, leave, you know, let the conversation go away entirely. I could see that being something Giannis wants to do if he doesn't sign it. And, you know, we get toward the end of the season, I I would be worried. I I think the fans would have a right to be worried if that were the case.
0: My favorite is always uh, this front office is having internal discussions as if front offices don't just have internal discussions about every player at every time. So, uh, (laughs)
2: right. And the second that you somebody catches wind of a rumor, I would say they're no longer internal. They are now an external discussion. Someone else <laughs> is in on it.
0: Gone in the wind. Uh, as I mentioned before, I'm a Toronto guy. Matt's a Boston guy. So I want you to rank that these three teams in order from who you think is the easiest matchup for Milwaukee to the hardest between Boston, Miami, and Toronto. So you can either make my day, <laughs> you can make Matt's day, or you can make our uh, our good friend Rich Anselmo's day. One, one of the three is uh, is going to happen here.
2: I mean, with the caveat that after the first game of the bubble, I thought Boston—actually, I I watched that game and I thought Boston really is the toughest matchup. I I don't think that's the case anymore, having seen Toronto do what they're doing against Brooklyn. But, like, only because—I feel all three of those teams are dangerous. All three of those teams can beat the Bucs. They can. I would not have said that last year. Last year, I would have said— I don't think any team can beat that team four, time, four times in seven games, and I really believe that even going into Game Five and Game Six against Toronto, I didn't believe for a second the Bucs weren't going to win that series. I should say into Game Five by Game Six, it was pretty clear that this was this was probably going to go down the way that uh, Toronto wanted it to. But uh, but I I feel like all four of these teams legitimately could come out of the East. I would I would rank Toronto first right now based on what their evisceration of Brooklyn. As much as anything, but but that's just a really good defensive team, and they they've just got a lot. Uh, and then then I would go Miami because they've had the best chance, best opportunities. I mean they've they've shown well against the Bucks this year, even though the Bucks kind of kind of had a great second half against them in the bubble. And then Boston, but uh, that would be a tough matchup too. All three are tough. So, uh, yeah. Our, our our podcast actually cut off um, right in the beginning
1: of your question when you said that you're originally going to take Boston. So uh, we're just going <laughs> to keep it that way. Uh, Technology,
2: man, what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um,
2: so what I what I wanted to
1: ask you, and this this will be my uh, my last question for you, so we can you know let you get out with your night. But um, if you could just you know let's say you could just pick any role player, um, you know, not a star but a role player from one of the Eastern teams to add to this Bucks team, who, who do you think would be a good fit?
2: Well, I'm going to I'm going to take a selfish one because I actually covered Tyler Hero in high school a lot of uh, he's a rookie with the Miami Heat and there's a lot of Milwaukee connections both Jimmy Butler and Jay Crowder went to Marquette University in Milwaukee so uh, a lot of a lot of Milwaukee attention being paid to the Heat but Hero a high school product from greater Milwaukee uh, it would be super fun to see him on here he has so much swag uh, and and is a is a pretty good shooter and a, and has really made himself into a better defender so uh, I would I would I would like to see that for selfish reasons other than that, I feel like the the Bucks really have all these role guys figured out. Like they have the right people. They've got Robin Lopez. They literally have the twin brother of Brooke Lopez, who is, in my mind, one of maybe the best interior defender in the NBA. They they literally have his his twin brother coming off the bench to replace him when he needs a blow or when he's got foul trouble. I mean it's it's perfect. And George Hill, a veteran guy who can shoot three, so at one point this year was the best three point shooter in the NBA percentage wise. Like that's that's perfect. And Pat Connaughton bringing some energy. I mean, all Dante DiVincenzo, who's just a deflection machine. I mean, I really think they have the team they want. The key is are all those guys going to play well? Because right now we haven't we haven't always seen that in in the bubble here. We haven't seen that happen. So, uh, so if that, uh, you know, if, if all the pieces come together, this is the team that wins the NBA, NBA championship. I'm pretty sure. Uh, just wondering, I'm, I'm not sure if we're going to see that for a sustained amount of time just yet.
0: Do you not want to say Norman Powell just to simply take him out of a Raptors uniform in a potential <laughs> buck series?
2: Norman or Fred Van Vliet, Norman or Fred, right? Like either one of those guys gave nightmares to the Milwaukee Bucks last year. I'm sure either one of them would look good in any other uniform, put them anywhere else. That would be fine with the Milwaukee Bucks fans. But uh, um Kawhi's not there, so they've got to feel better about it the second time around. If those two teams meet in the Eastern Conference Finals, I, I have to think they feel better about it.
0: I did, uh, I did just want to ask one last question, and it's kind of similar to my last one, but I think throughout this entire regular season, the conversation was, you know, which of these East teams will come second to Milwaukee? You know, which kind of team will meet them in the conference finals, but eventually lose as Milwaukee <laughs> goes to the finals? Do you think the question now should just simply be who in the East is making the finals, like putting them more on an even playing field, or should it still be which one of these teams can beat Milwaukee?
2: I would still, I would still definitely give the Bucks the edge, but yeah, I mean, closer to what you're saying, I think it's more like which, you know, which which team is is going to come out of the East is not a slam dunk by any means. Saying you know saying the Bucks are the favorite is fine and accurate, I think, but not a slam dunk. And you know, if you want if you want to consult history as as far as that gets you, we just saw it last year. The Bucks were really in my mind far and away the best team in the NBA last year in the regular season i honestly don't think it's close but they weren't the best team you know in the playoffs so so if you want to consult that that's still lingering there and in addition to that, we've seen the Bucks not play at their best in the bubble. So, uh, so maybe, maybe they've turned a corner. Like I said, game three with Orlando was very good, very high level on both ends of the floor. So maybe, uh, maybe this is where things start to turn for the better for Milwaukee. But yeah, I think it's fair to say which team is going to the uh, to the NBA Finals out of the East. Uh, I think I think Milwaukee's a favorite, but I wouldn't call him a runaway.
0: Yeah, this uh this second round in the East should be stupid fun. Really, the second round as a whole should be insanely fun. Totally. Uh, Matt, you got any any last questions
1: for everyone keeping score at home? Um, for SAT words, we had consternation, nebulous, and evisceration. That is by far a record on this podcast. Um,
2: <laughs> Did I say nebulous? I say it all the time, but I don't remember even saying it.
1: No. So ne- nebulous, uh, I, I red flagged that right away and went right to the uh, dictionary app on my phone. So Listen, we're we're trying to keep this audience like pretty lowbrow, and I think what we're gonna have to do is maybe find a different demographic because you you brought us up to a different a different level here. But I'm appreciative of it.
2: Well, I apologize. Make shots, win game. That's all there is to it.
0: <laughs> yeah, we were initially podcasting to business students, but now we've gone up to like physics majors.
2: it's uh it's a new dawn for you guys hopefully uh hopefully your listeners come
0: back uh no but honestly this uh this was great and jr thanks so much for coming on if you want to plug anything right here uh we'll give you full reign to to open up and shout out whatever you want
2: well as i imagine your listeners are more raptors and celtic centric uh if they want to check out the enemy jsonline.com journal sentinel milwaukee journal sentinel find a lot of coverage matt velasquez the bucks beat reporter is awesome 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 has done a great job and uh hopefully he gets to go to the bubble at some point it would require the bucks to get deeper into the postseason but uh yeah jsonline.com you can check out my stuff i'm on twitter at jr radcliffe that's radcliffe with an e on the end if twitter's your thing and uh sure you can find me there that's all i got
0: jr i'm sorry that we're gonna have to take Giannis from you in a couple years
2: yeah i'm not worried about that i think uh (laughs) I think he's staying in Milwaukee I could be wrong but I think uh, I think he's gonna be a buck for for the majority of his career
0: I uh hey all, all I can say is I hope he comes here I know Matt's hoping he's going to Boston somehow but uh yeah JR thanks so much for coming on man yeah no problem take care guys
2: until the first light of dawn